It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. To another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Gavin McAnally. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Do you want to tell people what Damnation Festival is? It's a metal rock, and if you know your music, post-rock indoor festival now happens in Manchester. I suppose the easiest way, it's the biggest indoor metal festival in Europe, uh, and for folk that don't know a lot about metal, a wall sound like death metal, a wall sound like sandpaper against your face. For the folk that do know about metal, it's, as I say, it's got a lot of genres. We do death metal, thrash metal, black metal, horse rock, bit of doom, about everything. Um, I always say that you could come to Damnation and that, yeah, you could have that day uh, everything sound like people are screaming at you. You can also have a day that it's a bit more gentle, which is maybe the, the harder sell for Damnation. Happens in Manchester. It's a one-day event. Although it does have a, a growing pre-show, almost be a two-day event. And I understand your first experiences was with last year. Indeed it was, yes. My first my first go at Damnation was both nights. I did the uh, I did the Night of Salvation and I did Damnation. And my big takeaway, well, literally what I literally came away with a We Lost the Sea t-shirt on the first night. They, they completely blew me away. So they were playing the second day, weren't they? So that was that was that was my mission was to make sure I saw them again. And I completely did. And did you catch them on the second day as well? Of course I did. Yeah. No, that was uh, and it was it was spectacular. Sort of that thing of like seeing a band you've no, you don't know anything about and being blown away, yeah. then going with expectations and still being blown away, is always a special yeah. feeling when you see a band live. That's, I mean, we lost the season a perfect example because when you're asked to describe what damnation is, ultimately you lean to the extreme metal, you lean to the carcasses and your electric wizards, and and people do see it as either a doom festival or a death metal festival. But we lost to see an Australian post rock band who would fit on almost any bill in the world. In fact, a lot of people that could not stomach 60 seconds of metal music would love we lost to see. Um, Absolutely. Before we don't know what post rock is, it's basically. It's music, it's, it's instrumental, there's no vocals. And I would, well, you talk about you get you showing up and thinking how great they were. I heard Departure Songs, which is their, their sort of classic album. Yeah. And I flew them in from Australia to do that show. So we, they'd never played the UK before. So we had. I was about to say, you, you, you've got, you hold the prize now for their first UK gig, which is what I was talking to at the merch stand. We do that. We do that quite often with bands, and, and that's a real gamble because you don't have much data to go on. I mean, some Spotify plays and maybe a wee bit of chat on the internet, but you real. We've, we've, we've rolled that dice before and lost, um, and we rolled the dice for this one, and, and we lost to see came over at a reasonable price for us. And I, as you said, blew a lot of people away. A lot of people left that festival. That was their band of the weekend, and that's exactly what those guys wanted. They, I mean, can you imagine being an Australian post rock band and looking at the poster and it's got at the gates and Belgium? <laughs> but 
I mean, how do we fit? How do we fit at all in that in that lineup and still going there and absolutely blowing the place away? So yes, it was a uh, it was it was really impressive. In, in a way, in a way, this is going to sound like a weird parallel, but I I do a lot of podcasts with people who are showing films at Fright Fest, which is a horror film festival. And in the yeah. same way that people have a perception about an extreme metal festival, like they narrow it down to, like you say, the sandpaper on your face music. Um, yes. People think of a horror film festival about being buckets of blood. They don't think about it being yes. cerebral, which obviously yeah. horror films can get you in the head as much as they can make repulse you on the screen. And yes. I, and I've interviewed a lot of filmmakers who are sort of glad to be on the bill, but are scared of what to expect, like as if the, the, the people who go to that festival couldn't take something with new ones. <laughs> it, it's, so how, how was your take on it before you came? Did you think you were coming to an extreme metal only event or did you, did you already come on? You were going to get about I mean, from my own, I mean, the main thing that got, the main reason I wanted to, once my friend who lives in Manchester, I'm from Manchester, but I don't live there, any, I haven't lived there for 20 odd years. We'd started going gigs together and he'd said, do you fancy going to this? And I saw Godflesh were playing. Now, yeah. if you'd have seen me in 1991, when I was at Birmingham Poly, I had much longer hair because because there was there was still a lot to grow. Uh, yeah. I had a biker jacket and I had Godflesh written on the back of it. Basically, the Grind Crusher album, the sampler that Earache did, plus I think Napalm Death being on Snub TV, were kind of like the gateways to this other music. That I mean, obviously John Peel was playing the likes of Extreme Noise Terror as well as Napalm Death. So. It was without being too sort of wanky about it. There, there, there was a weird zeitgeist around that music. I mean, admittedly, I didn't know anything about the Norwegian, Scandinavian black metal stuff, which was emerging in parallel. Um, I mean, Morbid Angels, Chapel of Ghouls, I played that to death. To me, in my own little world, pre-internet, when you didn't have to be told by everybody what the rules were, I, align, I thought of Chapel of Ghouls and Raiding Blood as being part of the same canon. I mean, it's a, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a strange So we have done was like 600 episodes or something of these podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a billion screenwriters and actors and filmmakers. Is there a, is there a crossover with, with the type of metal that Damnation promotes and the more, the more independent film scene? Like well, like I, said, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think what you were at pains to try and say about the broad, like people's perception of what they're going to get versus the broad spectrum they might get. I think there's a parallel between certainly horror film festivals and how they're perceived by people. People go, oh, I don't like horror films, but they go and see Midsummer and they go and see Hereditary. And you go, well, you went to see them. Yeah, but I don't want to... They just go, oh, that must mean sore. So in a way, people see your festival in the kind of... I mean, I'm not saying... What you're saying is people can perceive what damnation is. But actually, one of the big takeaways for me for the weekend was Elder alongside... um, Which is obviously... is part of the melodic game. But... Wolves in the in the uh, in the throne room was spectacular as a performance, and that is proper black metal. If you're lucky enough to have that, that sort of scope in your musical taste, and you can come and enjoy, we lost the scene and then walk over and watch Converge, and then as you say, Wolves in the throne room, and then get Elder. I mean, Elder's just groovy, mm. heavy rock, isn't yeah. it? You know, but it's still they're probably pigeonholed a lot of people are, are that metal band, but is I don't know if they were in the seventies. They'd be like, well, are they really that much different for a, a bunch of bands that are just big groovy uh, rock riffs? So, I that's a that's maybe something that I remember we did this a long time, two thousand five, when I started Nation, and we're still getting even even in our community, there's still people like, oh, that's that death metal festival, that's the doom metal festival. Sometimes people at the same table have got two different perceptions of well, what Damnation's trying to be. I was going to say because there's 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 
I think this is one of the great things about the the genres is it helps you identify what they are, but then also yeah. it creates this weird dogma as opposed as as opposed to there's more choice and we can just enjoy it all. Yeah. Yeah. Some like and, and, to plow a furrow, which is which is fun. People knew as well that there's, there's an awful lot of uh, there's like that perception of we've got this choice. Like we'll just go to the table and say, "Oh, let's pick two doom, pick two death metal, two black metal." The truth of the matter is, you, you take what you can get. And mm. we're in a it's a competitive market. There's all the festivals that happen in the UK, and when those big bands are snapped up or not touring and doesn't fit their schedule, they're just not available. So. I don't start, or we don't start a, a year and just go, oh, here's the 24 bands that we're definitely going to take and all 24 <laughs> bands just come to us. It doesn't work like that at all. So no. uh, even if I wanted it to be an extremely death metal friends or doom or post rock, the bands that we were going after the beginning of that year wouldn't necessarily be there to do it. I mean, and and, and, and this is another example. I mean, I've, I've managed to do this now before turning up at your festival. You announced Boss K playing with Audio Noir on Salvation yeah. for, the, yeah. for, the new, for, for the new one. And... I didn't know them from Adam. Yeah. And I went and listened to it. And I think I've since you since you put that announcement out, I have listened to it 15 times. It is an amazing piece yeah. of work. It is. It is. I mean, we don't, we don't, we'll get a kind of luxury. But it's not luxury anymore because I, I used to be, I used to be a newspaper editor. And now Damnation was a luxury because it was my sideshow hobby. Whereas now I've actually given up the journalism and I'm doing the, um, the festival full time, so it's not luxury anymore. I need to sell tickets and make money to pay rent. But the, um, at the same time, what we book is is definitely what we believe in. It, the difficulty that is sometimes, like if you've not got a guy like yourself that's going out and proactively going to find audio noir and find how great it is, and every time you go, you're going to have a spectacular time. If people are just seeing something in the lineup and they don't know what it is and they won't go and search out, then the, the difficulty is selling a ticket. You know what I mean? Because mm. people. People want it. I don't know. I mean, I take it if you were trying to make a comparison with your big films. It's like to Tom Hanks and the Brad Pitts that are actually selling you the film before you know what anything it's about. Yeah, Whereas yeah, if yeah. you if every actor was just equal and you were just about like, okay, we'll go and look at that film because we're interested, then you wouldn't need those huge names. So uh, it's about like getting it's about like getting the music world as well. We need those big names at the top of the poster to, to get people's attention. And a lot of times you'll get what happened to you, we lost see you just wander into your new favourite band as opposed to you actively going to go and see your new favourite band. And that's what, to me, I've kind of, I guess I'm lucky, I'm not lucky enough, but I'm, I'm old enough to reach the point now where I don't have to see all my favourite bands wherever I go. I've been, you know, when I go to a festival now and certainly go into your festival, it's, the point for me is more about the discovery than it is about the dead. Because, yeah. so, in, in you know, Godflesh was my reason to be there, but I came away with Green Lung, Elder, We Lost the Sea, and yeah. Wolves in the Throne Room, you know. So, that's kind of that's the perfect reason. I mean, in a way, gonna sound daft as a comparison, but Godflesh was my Brad Pitt that got me to your festival. Yes. <laughs> that would be the first, first thing Godflesh is great as Brad Pitt. <laughs> but but I guess I, I can't believe that I wouldn't be alone in that in that idea that there's elements of it. You go, okay, there's my guarantee, there's my thing that I'm gonna because it's everything else is in my wheel. It's like if I look at Sal, like looking at Salvation now, look at the night of Salvation you've got. So actually, what we should say is, and I'll put this in the show notes. But while we're talking, tell people the dates for Night of Salvation and Damnation. So, so, so the Night of Salvation is effectively what you would describe as a pre-show to Damnation. I.e., it happens the night before, but it's in its in its own right. It's in its own event, its own ticketed event, and the bands playing it are absolutely huge and doing very strong in my world. It's got success. So. That's happens on Friday the 3rd of November and Damnation itself, which is the more established um, event which has been going since 2005, is on 
Saturday the fourth of November. So yes, so what, so long. And and who for who who for you was the what was the first band you signed up for this year? What what was the first one that you got this year? Do you remember? I don't off the top of my head. I mean, because it's so much that's happening in parallel, and so much that's happening even before last year's event happens. You have you get it's book me. This is I don't know. I've got a podcast called Damnation Verses. Uh, which we get into all this side that people really like the music side of it. And I felt like a bit like uh, an outside committee. That's because like, I'm the equivalent in the movie scene. If somebody goes, oh, wish your favourite bands were going, eh, Oasis, the Beatles, <laughs> and all those things. So <laughs> they're coming into this as a complete novice. And what made it worse is I listened to a few of your uh, other episodes with people that are experts in the industry talking about like the importance of identity and the queer uh, scene and yeah. so like what the hell I'm going to get talking about Braveheart <laughs> well that's great no that, that look we all and the thing is like music film, films is, is a subject what you enjoy is a subjective thing nothing I could tell you yeah. could make you like smoking the bandit any more than I do neither Absolutely. nothing you could say could make me like Braveheart as much as you do it's like yeah. Yeah, and the same with music you know what we're talking about and that's what I love about about what I what, what I loved about going to Damnation for the first time is that is that I was able to discover stuff. But another thing to say as someone coming to it new is, and again, this is parallels with Fright Fest, which is a horror film festival I've been going to, you know, since 2000 on and off, and certainly for the last 10 years, is you've got a good community. You know, the first, the, I I don't think, I mean, I'm pretty sure I didn't see an angry word for two days. I talked to a lot of strangers and I came away just feeling good about myself. Yeah, it is, it is a great community. It's built up over it's quite mature. Yeah. Know, like it's uh, you see so much of it, which is a struggle as well, because ultimately when you get to our age, mm. there's kids and mortgages and careers and you're not 18 and your your priority is not getting to see Rage Against the Machine the next time we play. It's like you still get you've got other things happening in life. So damnations the struggle is selling tickets to those type of people because they've got other things going on in their life. They're not just excitable teenagers. But the upside to that is we don't have 6,000 excitable teenagers. So when you go there, it's people who tend to be good eggs, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They elbow their way at the front or piss off the bar staff. Or people just, you know, it's, it's a good community. It's decent people and we've built up uh, that community over the years. So a lot of people either know each other personally or know of people that are there. And then you get that, it, it's that cascading effect as well. Once you know you're part of something that's, Good and decent. It's like it's like I think when you go to a festival and everybody's just chopping a, a plastic cup in the ground, you you almost find yourself chopping like a download, chopping yeah. a plastic. Uh, even if you wouldn't do that now, you go to I don't know an art tangent, and everyone's keeping the place pristine and the tents are all getting taken down, everything's getting packed away. You become the person that's taking your tent and packed away just because you want to be part of that community. You see it, and it's well, that's inspiring. We can mm. keep festival feel for being an absolute mess, but endless. The damnation's a bit like that. Like, no one's fighting. No one's being abusive. No one's, as I say, elbowing away at the front. Or when you get knocked down in a mosh pit, everyone's making sure you get picked back up. And then you, even even the people that might have been hardwired the other way to be like, oh, you know what, I would go there and cause it a wee bit. But like, you know, that's not going to be tolerated, the damnation. So mm. just an all-over, it's a good impact on it. So I uh, two days of it. and the, So that we at Beck Arena in Manchester, and those guys have raves weekend after weekend and those old airs for like throwback to the, the covers band in the 80s and they, that that venue deal with so much shit it's unbelievable you know their security get put through the ringer and then they've got this damnation festival where the, the, for the outside of looking in 
all these grunting mm. pops came, knuckle draggers in, in there heads. It's like, all these guys just listening to Napalm Death all day and they must be the angriest folk out. And, and it, the, the truth's the exact opposite. Everybody's vegan. Everybody's vegan. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I must admit, I, I, must, I once wrote an article about, in, in Manchester, you, you, when I was growing up, you had Jilly's Rock World, which was the main the main rock music venue. Which is where Damnation started. Really? That's the first 2005 in Jilly's Rock World. No way. It was, it was indeed. So I, that's it. We went full circle when we went to Leeds for about 15 years, and then we went full circle when we came back. A lot of people didn't, because they'd get involved with Damnation in the Leeds Union years. And it was like, how could you possibly leave Leeds to go to Manchester? Like, well, ultimately, that's what we've done in the first place. We left Manchester to go to Leeds because we couldn't, like, we obviously couldn't go to an arena at that stage with a little thousand capacity event. And Leeds was the next best stop that had somewhere in the middle, sort of 3,000, 4,000. So uh, when we went back uh, to the arena, but I had, Funnily enough, I went down to um, an, an event Manchester called Outbreak Okay. Uh, two, two or three weeks ago at the Mayfield Depot. And I, uh, I walked past where Jelly's was and what is it now? A Tesco Express. Well, let's let's name some names then. So what what should we what should we be excited about? People listening into this podcast now for who's appearing. And, and I'm not going to expect you to name them all. Because uh, and, and and by whoever you admit, I don't think that's unfair on them. But I think if we show some highlights as to what maybe particularly you're excited about, I, I get excited for different different reasons. Uh, I mean, that, one of the big things about Damnation that we're trying to do, which we'll, we'll, we'll see if it, it, it works, is like trying to do something completely different. You know, it's easy, not easy, but you, it, it would be easier for us just to go and spend, I know, 50, 60, 70 grand and book one big band that does. Four, five thousand tickets. One of these sort of. It's time for another season of the Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December fifth, find the Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In between academies and arenas, band and gone, but we don't do that because ultimately, now how does that separate damnation from everything that's happening in London, Birmingham, Glasgow? So, what we try to do is fly in. We do a lot of exclusive stuff, a lot of stuff like Julie Christmas is in. She's a, a New York singer. It's called noise rock, but it's hard to describe. It's she's basically almost doing like demented poetry over the top of these extended tracks of metal and she was she was a band called Cult of Luna a heavier a much heavier version of um, We Lost the Sea post-metal and she 
was done the vocals on one album that he'd done, Mariner, which she performed with Kotlona back in 2016 or 17. And it was like the highlight set that Damnation ever had. So to have her coming back and doing her UK debut as a solo artist oh, is, uh, is going to be quite special. But again, that's one of the ones, even with our fan base in our community who know a lot about it when we announced Julie Christmas, there was definitely a lot of, oh, what does she do looking at other than Mariner? Or, or what does she sound like? So that's a bit of like, sometimes maybe you're, you're, you're diving a wee bit too deep into those exclusive. Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited about that, but there's, there's big ones that, like, Electric Wizard are a huge UK doom band. Mm. They don't play very often. This show is going to be the only time they play uh, in the UK in 2023. They, they've got that, I mean, talk about the sort of overlap of the cinematography. They've got the whole 1970s, almost soft porn, occult horror thing going on with the half-naked women and the snakes and that Conan Barbarian style. Um they're, they're big at the projections and also we also got people like something a wee bit more extreme we've got special sets by Akakok kind of sort of black, death metal black metal UK band uh, doing their Chorazon album which again I don't think I've ever been done before got Nathrak coming back again another extreme band aye there's, there's plenty we've got the, th- the other ones the bands we're flying in Catatonia Enslaved Leprous all doing album sets which are exclusive if not to the UK, worldwide. And it's, yeah, it's one of those ones where you only really need one or two bands in the lineup to be special for you for the whole thing. Because it's like 70, 75 quid a ticket to go. Mm. And they go for a couple of days, 100 quid. So, mm. I mean, it's like, as I read Touch Chili Peppers all night, and people were paying that just to get in, in, in sit in the seats. Not a 200 pound to sit in the golden circle. And then with my daughter asking for Taylor Swift tickets for 300 pound a pop, you know what <sighs> I mean? So, even in a cost of living crisis, damnation is still relatively affordable. So, yes, it's um, we do as a niche market, and we do go for very exclusive sets. But the whole point being that we want that exact same effect happened to you. We lost to see you might go down like, oh my god! Not only was I blown away with that, but this was the only place in the UK I could have been blown away with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And brought them in rather than you saw one day on a Harry Styles tour that's doing fifteen stadiums up and down the. I'm in the country, you know. So, hope that hope that's a good patch. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the bands that that, that I know very well is uh, is Viking Skull. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> Blast for the past. I used to manage a band called Tokyo Dragons who played right. played a couple of shows with Viking Skull, so I knew yeah. them. And I think I'm I'm almost sure I reviewed them in when Rock Sound magazine used to be around. Um, yeah, I mean they are they are real. That's like so. This guy's for Raging Speed on. That's right. Some of yeah. the guys like Raging Speed on, and again, one of those ones where everybody knew who Vikings were twenty years ago, mm. but like everybody either caught them in a sports lottery thing, and they were a, they were a, a deal for a week, for a short time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then then they disappeared and went off the map. And it's like the 20th anniversary of their debut at uh, Chapter One, and so many people never had the chance to to get involved. You know, so many mm. people. At this age, like, sorry if you're sitting, I mean, I'm 41 now, but if you're sitting on your 30, you're only 10 mm. when that, when Vikings go, and you might have heard a few of the tracks since. So, there's stuff like that that's real throwback. I mean, you book Vikings, you're not selling millions of tickets because you get Vikings go, but we had a message to a guy from Norway or Finland the other day who's coming just for Vikings go, you know what I mean? Mm. Just flying in just so you can finally see Vikings go. So, as I say, that's what we're aiming for. People that are just, it's so special, you've got a flight to come and see it. Brilliant. Well, look, one last question then about about the thing because I think having having started your, the, the life of the of damnation in, in Chile's rock world, 
in 2005 yeah. and now we're in 2023 and you've been to Leeds and you're back to Manchester and you're at a much bigger venue compared to Jilly's Rock World. What would you say has been the sort of main evolution in, in sort of putting on, and like as you described yourself, a niche live event, but one that's growing? I mean, I, I, I live in a world where, I, live, I grew up in a world where I remember buying Earth's first album, Earth 2, yeah. back in what, 92, whatever it was. The idea yeah. when I bought the album that I'd see Earth play at the forum and like to that many people was insane. And then yeah. just this kind of niche world has, has got a bigger audience than, than than I ever thought it could ever it could ever do. So what what for you as the promoter of this? What for you's been an evolution in this sort of? Oh, possibly it's a, they need the platform. Hmm. These bands need the platform. So if the bigger festivals either don't know or aren't interested, because the whole point of it being niche is just a nice way of saying they don't sell very many tickets. You know what I mean? So hmm. a lot of these a lot of these promoters is business, so they go for whatever's hot whatever sells the tickets, whatever films the academies, the arenas, and they book it as they should. But if no one's put a platform on out with 100 capacity pubs for these smaller bands to get anywhere, to finally get to play in a forum, then you're never going to, it's never going to succeed. The problem is so many people fail doing it because it's a dangerous business. You're yeah, taking yeah. something as a niche product, as a niche, as a niche band that I interest in folk are saying, Right, okay, you're only getting, I don't know, if there's 2,000 fans in the whole of the UK for one particular band, what percentage of those fans are you get come to Manchester at sea? The damnations made it work to this point, but it's always a risk. It's always a gamble, and then a fresh year starts, there's no guarantee you're just going to fill that arena, special arena. So it's a, it's a bit being there, and then you build up that loyalty with the fan base and the trust, and the fact the event happens. You know how many people have been stung with events that don't happen? And they, they share out their money, and then the next thing they do, they're fighting with credit card companies to get their cancelled tickets back. And that's an issue for a lot of other promoters that are now trying to do it and be like, oh, let's be like Damnation, or let's be like Bloodstock. Money. Well, it's hard enough for Damnation to be Damnation, yeah. and hard enough for Bloodstock to be Bloodstock. So, by all means, have a bash, but start and try and build up the same way Bloodstock and Damnation were built up. They never just came out and said, let's be an arena events. And if you can do that, then great, there'll be more opportunities for more of the bands like Earth to. Um, to play because they're not likely to get that support slot to bring their eyes nervous. So no. you're about like that's the only place. And if the promoters aren't paying to fly them in, then you're not going to see them. Absolutely not. Well, more power to your elbow and more power to your, your your admin to get these bands all together in one room, which I can I can't imagine the herding of cats you must do to make this happen, let alone let alone getting them over the line and that. But yeah, so it's I'm glad I discovered it for myself last year and I'm glad to be coming back. Moving swiftly along, Gavin, we are now going to do three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Uh, we're going to do a bridge version of what I normally would do because uh, we've had a lovely chat about Damnation. I don't want to squash that now. So we're going to we're going to do the three films and against the clock, we're going to do two minutes chat per film. Uh, and every time two minutes are up, you're going to hear this sound. First up on the list is Braveheart, written by Randall Wallace, although no connection to the to the mighty Wallace feature of the film, and directed and starring Mel Gibson. What's the, when when are you seeing this? Who are you seeing it with? What's the? Oh, this would have been it was nineteen ninety five. That so yeah, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, teenager at that point probably still probably still in a, a VHS. And you know what? It's it's not it's not the cool point factor. I'm trying to say brave having a Scottish because. It's much maligned. It's uh, people. It's almost a bit embarrassment when, when 
people talk about brave heart to the Scottish. Like, Batterstolen Bridge should have probably had a bridge in it. <laughs> <laughs> William Wallace never met that princess. Robert the Bruce never stabbed him in the back. And face paint didn't exist, you know. So it's no, it's no much of a history. <laughs> but at the same time, I'll tell you this, you learn more even with the inaccuracies of Braveheart about Scottish history than you ever did in the history lesson because we get taught zero about Scottish history at my high school anyway. Learn more about just the two world wars. So there was it. There's definitely that, and I feel that, despite all the inaccuracies and, the, and the, the way it's treated sometimes in Scotland, it does capture a wee bit of the, the Scottish essence. It does capture that whole sort of we are in the shadow of England. We've always mm. had a bit of chip more football, a bit of English, uh, whether it's the football teams or, or anything else. The way we're referred to sometimes as a small town in the north of England rather than a standalone country. Yeah. And I do feel like that. So even just to the basics of standing up for yourselves and standing up for others that. Braveheart did capture in that sense of I, I let us go you know I mean, if you're, you're in a bus and somebody takes an old woman's seat and, 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 well, don't do that in Glasgow you're going to find out all oh, about Braveheart so it's, uh, it does it's good but and let's, if, you, if you're really going to get hung up in the history and the inaccuracies just look at it, it's fiction it's just a well well shot film yeah I mean movies movies are never history lessons they're always dramatic first yes yes absolutely Right then, sir, moving swiftly along, but going back in time a little, 1990s, Goodfellas, the Martin Scorsese classic. Tell us tell us about your uh, you finding this film. Aye, so again, so it would have been a few years before. Uh, so, I'd, I'd have been, so I'm 82 born, that was about nine. So I've only been maybe about 10 mm. at the time. So I mean, I saw when I was eight, but maybe about 10 again on VHS in someone's house. And that was my, I never, I never had any history, I never knew about The Godfather, I never, this is my first run-in with the, the gangster theme. And it's, I mean, it's just a, it's just a punchy, a punchy film. And the way, I think what struck me is, well, I, I grew up in quite a, a violent Glasgow estate and violence always took the same form. Two people getting angry and then going at it. It's good feeling, it's the first thing you've ever seen that sort of real sinister smile on your face and then you get strangled from behind, you know what I mean? That scene where Tommy's Tommy's about to be made and mm. like you've got um, De Niro and um, Ray Otter sitting in the, the cafe waiting for to get the call and it's building up the nice few music in the background and then, you know, he's going into a garage and get shot in the back of the head. It's that they kind of things and Billy the Bat's getting stabbed to death and the things really stuck with me. It's like, whoa, this is... It's, it's violent, but it's almost even more sinister than that. Two guys having a square go in the street because it was just done with such and well, that that smile on your face. And a lot of the, a lot of things still stick with me. The quotable moments going get your shine box and that still <laughs> sticks me. Maybe if I, maybe if I was slightly older and I'd seen Godfather first, it wouldn't have that same impact. And the the gangster films since the Departed and the Irishman haven't had that same impact. The Goodfellas was my was my one. I was like, well, that's uh, that's quite something. Weirdly, I mean, the violence in it is 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 a big part of what Martin Scorsese does. But I'll never forget the the uh, making the the pasta sauce in uh, in prison with the with the <laughs> slicing the garlic, slicing the garlic. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The things like that are so that they stick with you as well. That are so class, slicing the garlic with the BDAs are, and just I, I don't know. Since I worked in an Italian restaurant for a few years when I was uh, 15, 16 as well, and I think that kind of that that culture stuck with me as well. Right then. Moving to the end of the of the decade, because we, we we've 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 straddled the we've straddled the nineties now. So nineteen nineties, yeah. the Matrix, uh, by the Wachowskis. Do you want to tell us? I mean, there's a film. Are you, are you a red pill or a blue pill? 
Which one was it? The blue was blue pill the one that you go and face reality? <laughs> I know I'm I'm definitely a red pill guy. <laughs> <laughs> I am not waking up one of the pods uh, strapped to a machine. So I, the, the Matrix, you know what I remember the Matrix? I don't, I'm not a sci-fi guy. I don't, mm. I'm, I'm not interested in Star Wars, Star Trek or any stars. And um, I don't, I never, I never get, yeah, this one, it kind of, I guess we'll see if there's a big clever subtext to it or that's what will catch you. You can almost forget that you're watching almost a sci-fi film because you're so engrossed in the storytelling of it. And with the with the Matrix, I remember because it was no Star Wars. The Phantom Menace was out about the same time. Same, yeah, 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 yeah. The first all being about the Star Wars, me having zero interest in Darth Maul's uh, lightsaber, but being right in, in this Matrix, and then just again, some of the scenes that stick with you, like the red pill and the blue pill, or the dodging the bullets, and it's just, I mean, that one where he's he goes into the bottom of the lobby, and it's just. Five minutes of absolute pandemonium with bullets everywhere and the whole place exploding. I, just, I, th- I saw that one in the cinema. Hmm. Maybe had a bigger impact as well with that, but just because of the just. The, the, I'm the very jealous. Effects. I never saw. I forgot to see it in the cinema, so I only saw it on VHS at home. And that whole bullet time stuff, I would would have had its big impact, wouldn't it, on I, the big screen? And I think it ended yeah, because I I don't know it was a hype before it came out. Because I kind of went in there sort of almost blind, and it was like something Keanu Reeves in it, and I I was like Jesus Christ, that was. That was absolutely swing. At the time, that year, you, you had um, you had Fight Club and you had uh, Matrix, which are two, I mean, if you think about where we are in today's society, those two yeah. films have ended up informing quite yeah. a lot about what is good and bad about how we see the world and toxic masculinity yeah. and things. But I yeah. love, I mean, if you if ever if you ever read Neuromancer, uh, I'll finish my thought. The bell's going now. Um, you ever read Neuromancer by William Gibson? You know you. you just the idea of trying to imagine what it's like inside electronics and just, it was completely believable. Aye, aye. It was a, aye. They were thinking, it was odd because when you came to me first, you said, oh, do you fancy coming up to this film? I like, look, you know, I don't know anything about film, you know what I mean? And he goes, oh, just, you're, you're, you're free. And that's, that was my knee jerk, the same answer I've been saying for, for 20 years. Actually, my, my favourite film is probably Inception. Do you know the film that's, that had the biggest impact, even especially as an adult, was the the one after Sun with Paul Mescal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Like so. After I was like, oh, there's my knee jerk reaction. I'm happy to come on the top of the film. But actually, when I thought about it, it was like, oh, you know what? That's not even my favourite film. And that's uh, also not the one that's really had impact. I mean, that that after Sun one, but the end of that, I was just. I'm not a kind of guy that's going to cry at film, but I was bubbling, absolutely bubbling. But the end of after Sun, you know, so. It's a. Uh, I it made me it made me really think about about that films sort of that I do that I do love that I'll mm. probably not give it to watch. But for every for every one hour of film, I do a hundred hours of music. You know, it's like it's music's my day in day out. But I mean, I do I do love a good film. Well, look, thank you for sharing those with us. I'm very grateful, and thank you for talking a bit about Damnation and a bit of insight into its history and what's going on. Uh, let's remind people then, when's the Night of Salvation and when's Damnation? 3rd and 4th of November, Manchester's BEC Arena. Get yourselves along. Brilliant. Well, look, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can get tickets if they, see, if they listen to this podcast. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for joining us on the Britflix podcast. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to having lots of movie buffs at, uh, at Damnation this year. <laughs> <laughs>
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.